Hi, I'm Reagan, and thanks for listening to my dad's podcast, Lasting Learning. Hey, before we jump into this episode, I've got to ask, have you signed up for the free standards-based grading webinar taking place on September 20th, 2023 at 7 p.m. Eastern time? This 90-minute webinar is perfect for those of you just wanting to get a little bit more information about what standards-based grading is. Whether you're in a school that's already adopted SBG and just need to tweak it, or if you are in a school or district that is traditional, ABCs, 100-point scales, and you're looking at taking things to the next level, and you want to make sure that you know what your kids know, sign up for this 90-minute webinar completely free, no strings attached. Just click the link in the show notes, follow me on Facebook and click the event, sign up, bring some friends, bring some family, bring some colleagues, bring some popcorn and your favorite drink. We'll see you there. Hi, and welcome back to Lasting Learning. This is Dave Schmidt, and uh, this episode's gonna be a little bit different. During the summer months of 2023, I'm offering some free professional learning to you. This summer, I'm going to be releasing special episodes. It's basically going to be an audio book. I'm going to read to you my book, Bold Humility. Bold Humility was first published five years ago. And as a result of that five-year anniversary, I decided to make it available to you, my listeners, this summer. Now, these recordings are not going to be evergreen. They're not going to be out there forever. They are only going to be out for a limited time. So make sure you listen. Make sure you share. Make sure you're willing to grow. Here we go. Bold humility. Chapter 9, Who I Am Today. I've been an administrator for more than half of my career. There are some who would argue that I've lost touch and didn't teach long enough to really learn the craft. There are others who would argue that I'm lucky to have had such an early start in learning all this leadership stuff. At this point in my career, I'm confident enough to say that both views are accurate. I wish I could have spent more time refining my pedagogical craft, but I'm also grateful that I've had so many years to make so many mistakes and improve who I am and what I do with each passing year. I became a full-time administrator at the age of 30. I had the confidence to do the job, but made more mistakes than I care to admit. In my first year as an administrator, I even got a child who was completely innocent, grounded at home, and suspended from school. It was my first month on the job in my new role, and I was doing all I could to be that supportive leader I was hired to be. I wanted the teachers to know I had their backs and students to know that I had high expectations. I stood with my arms crossed in the middle of the hallways during passing time, each day scowling at students while smiling sweetly to every teacher. By the beginning of October, I was beginning to believe I really had the job figured out. That all changed quickly. As I was standing in the hallway one Friday afternoon, I was approached by an upset and extremely agitated teacher, Mrs. S. Mrs. S. was guiding one of her 7th grade students, Brett, towards me by holding his elbow. She got within 5 feet of me and began to unload. According to her, Brett had just passed a note to a young girl in her class that would have fit neatly into a chapter of Fifty Shades of Grey. As she handed me the note and I started reading, I felt myself blushing as a result of the words I was reading. When I turned my gaze from the paper to the 12-year-old boy standing in front of me, my embarrassment turned to rage. How dare this boy write something so vile and crude to such a sweet little girl? 12-year-olds had no business knowing some of the words that this boy was writing. Telling Mrs. S. that I would take care of it, I escorted Brett to my office so I could pass out some justice. After giving Brett a strong lecture, I went to my computer, looked up the name Brett in the student information database, and called Brett's dad. 
And I sent the young hoodlum to my secretary where he was to wait to be picked up before enjoying a few days out of school. Friday came to an end. I went home for the weekend, proud of my ability to teach responsibility to a 12-year-old boy, the star of the middle school football team, and help teach respect for girls at the same time. Two days later, I returned to work, still feeling triumphant and celebrating my ability to do my job so well. As I approached my office, I was stopped by my secretary. Before even receiving a good morning, I was told, we need to talk. She stood up, followed me into my office, turned on the light, and started talking while I set my bag down. She told me I had messed up royally. Apparently at my school, there were three seventh grade boys named Brett. The boy who wrote the name was named Brett M. The boy whose father I had called was Brett C. When I had gone to my computer on Friday to look up Brett's contact information, I had just typed in his first name and assumed that the first name that came up was his. As a result of my mistake, I'd let a guilty student go free and had condemned an innocent child to a weekend of disastrous proportions. And now evidently, I had the father of the innocent child waiting to see me to discuss the fact that his child was still swearing on his life that he didn't do it. Before confronting the father waiting for me in the lobby and explaining my error, I instead picked up my office phone and called my principal. I explained to her what I did and began to apologize repeatedly. She cut me off telling me that she would be right there and she would help fix it. She was a master. In front of the father, Brett, the innocent, and me, my principal, went on to explain that everyone makes mistakes. She could have scolded me. She could have thrown me under the bus. But instead, she used this as a teachable moment for all of us. She took a moment that could have probably and should have been handled very differently. And instead, she decided to extend grace. Grace taught me more than any lecture or punishment ever could have. She knew that mistakes have the power to teach. And as her assistant, her role is to teach me and help me improve. She knew that I was not finished or a polished product. She knew that ignorance can be corrected when taught and teach she did. She did for me what I expect each teacher to do for each student. This doesn't mean I stopped making mistakes and perfected my craft, but it does mean she allowed me to learn and understood that learning is a process. Learning is not a proverbial light bulb moment. Learning, lasting learning, often involves stumbles and missteps along the way. As I grew in my confidence as a young administrator, I'm humbled to say more doors opened for me and soon I was a principal in charge of my own school. I was a man charged with the task of not only helping students grow and learn, but doing all I could to place the most competent and capable adults in front of those same students. As a principal, that responsibility often led to some very difficult decision-making. In the age in which we live and work, it saddens me to admit that there is a shortage of quality teachers available in the workforce. Due to a lot of factors already mentioned, many of the world's brightest and best have been discouraged from joining the ranks of our noble profession, making it that much more important to seek out and find and retain amazing teachers wherever they can be found. In professional and collegiate sports, the expectation is that coaches and managers spend days on the road scouting talent, looking for individuals who will improve their teams. In K-12 schools, often when a teaching position comes up, administrators will post their opening on a static job announcement board and then sit back and wait two weeks to see who applies and then sift through resumes of unknown individuals. Law firms, hospitals, athletic teams, even the military know that in order to get the best talent, they must go find the talent. They send recruiters into schools, are active on social media, and market themselves all over a variety of media platforms to give themselves a sense of credibility and therefore desirability to prospective employees who are looking to become a part of something great. As an administrator, I know that my teachers have a bigger impact on students than curriculum, programs, resources, or me. 
I made a decision early in my administrative career that as a leader, I would spend whatever time was necessary finding the best candidates possible. I wasn't looking for the most polished teachers. I was looking for those with the most power to go and to change lives. March, April, and May are the busiest months of the year for me. Aside from state testing season, school and district improvement planning, scheduling, and my own kids' social calendars, this is also the time of the year that I begin my recruiting efforts to find the best teachers possible for the following school year. In March, I begin making social media posts describing my desire to hire life changers and destiny shapers in my school. In April, I begin crisscrossing the country meeting with people who I've met at conferences and through social media or associates to convince them to join my team. In May, I spend time at universities and on college campuses to elevate our profession and work to convince new and future graduates to entertain teaching as a career choice. I am always recruiting, whether I have vacancies or not. It's not because I'm looking to move out old and bring in new, but because my charge is to give each child the greatest opportunity for success. I may not always have a teaching vacancy, but I am yet to have a year go by with zero openings available for the following year. Just like a young baseball player would be excited to be drafted to play for a minor league affiliate of the Yankees, if it meant he had an opportunity to one day play in the big leagues while working on improving his skills today, the same mindset and strategy is used in my schools. Paraprofessionals, secretaries, cafeteria workers are often certified teachers learning the craft, adapting to our culture and enhancing kids' lives in whatever role they have while waiting for the opportunity to get their own classrooms. Because of the value we place on being a part of the team, we're able to find people willing to work for less money just to be a part of our team. I've been accused of always hiring young. The truth is, I always hire for potential over proficiency. My job is to teach teachers and help them grow. And that means looking for individuals who may not be as polished as others, but with coaching and support, have displayed evidence of a ceiling much higher than their peers. Experience does matter. A great resume is what will get somebody an interview. A personality displaying potential and humility will get an individual a job. Just last year, an individual sent me a message on social media saying, quit hiring such young multiple teachers and stick with what's always been successful. I'm sure they meant this as an insult, but the truth is, every word of this message makes me smile. Because even in their presumed disagreement, they were acknowledging that I was hiring individuals with the ability to adapt and change and change the status quo. People willing to do whatever was necessary, even if it meant doing things differently than had always been done. As a principal, every Friday I spent my afternoons at the playgrounds in one of our three housing projects in which my students lived, pushing kids on swings, talking to parents, and spreading love. I spent every morning hugging students, telling jokes, and spreading optimism. I spent my evenings worrying and filled with anxiety, hoping that all that I, I had done had been given had been enough to change destinies. I know I can't do it alone. None of us can. So I had to hire others willing to do it right alongside of me. People willing to inspire me when I feel like others, other things are more important. I hire people who are able to connect with those whom I cannot. We are all the products of those that we work with. None of us are self-made. Knowing this, I work tirelessly to surround myself with others who make me better, just as I own the responsibility to also enhance the lives of those who work with me. Because I know I don't know it all, I am on a constant quest to learn, grow, and steal from those I admire. I'm bold enough to say that everything I know, I learn from someone else. We also know that the best teachers are professional thieves. They steal the ideas from others and then adapt them for their own use. I'm no different. Most of what I do is a result of stealing ideas from some of my edu heroes. Rick Warmly, Quinn Rollins, Dave Burgess, Beth Huff, Adam Welcome, Renee Hawkins, Tara Martin, Brian Mendler, etc. 
The pipeline of stolen ideas flows freely from my heroes through me and into my teachers. Much of the success that the students in my school have achieved has been a result of the amazing teachers who work tirelessly to inspire, create, and enhance the lives of everyone they encounter. And I know that often my job is to simply play intermediary between those with the original thoughts and those who are charged to make the impact. Today, as I write this, I'm sitting outside in Michigan on a beautiful August night, blessed because of those who have allowed me to continue to enhance my influence. I began my career with a captive audience of 120 students each day in my own classroom. I moved on to lead individuals and schools and now get to work beside others at the district level. As I write this, I'm the executive director of curriculum and instruction for a school district that's filled with life changers. I'm one week into my new job and I'm already so excited by all that I see. We're a district with tremendous potential because we have tremendous hearts, passions, and ambitions. We have tradition and history, but more importantly, we have a desire to look to the future. We know we have children today who depend on us to help them create our tomorrow. And I can't wait to see what we can do. In this role, I get to work with building leaders as they serve as change agents and beacons of hope. I get to work with teachers who inspire and motivate while informing and shaping minds. Bold humility is on display in this district in a very real way. And that's part of what intrigued me to make the move. My hope is that I'm able to continue to work beside amazing influencers of hope. And that those of you who are reading this will continue to inspire me with your ideas and inspiration. Tweet me, message me, and let me know what you're doing to bring about greatness. What you do today might just impact my students tomorrow. Serendipitous Encounters by Allison Apsey, former elementary principal from Michigan. In my first year of teaching, I distinctly remember one very difficult day. Things in the classroom were spiling out of control, and I walked into the staff bathroom and stared at myself, wondering if I had made a mistake with my career choice. In that moment, I didn't turn to a colleague or a mentor because I was too embarrassed and felt alone in my struggles. I didn't realize that all educators experience these same challenges at one time or another. Some educators spend their entire careers isolated, which fuels self-doubt and loneliness. It doesn't have to be this way. When I moved to a new, larger district, my six elementary principal colleagues became a resource for ideas, a sounding board, and my friends. In addition, I became a connected educator through Twitter, which led to a professional learning network that spanned the country and the world. In addition, I have a school building full of creative and smart teachers and support staff. I will never again hold myself up in the office to try and figure out a plan. I'll first reach out to my colleagues and then my larger network and the ideas come pouring in. In 2015, I began to share my journey and my reflections on a blog, alisonapsey.com, that led to publishing a book called The Path to Serendipity. And my journey continues as I get to publish my third book and travel the country as a national speaker. I am who I am today because of all the generous educators who share their own stories and encourage others to do the same. Now, it's your turn. Bold Next Steps 1. Promote your school. Take some time tonight and identify the strengths of your school. As a leader, you may think that you are paid to fix problems, but one of the best solutions to any problem begins with a positive outlook. Sell your teacher's greatness to those in your social circle, whether in person or online. 2. Identify the strengths of those who work with, with you. Your job is to elevate and inspire others to grow. Sit down face-to-face -face with those who depend on you and tell them why they are so good. 3. Who inspires you? Find them, tell them, and thank them. Chapter 10. Tweet-Worthy Summaries from the intro, if we want to create kids who become high-quality people, we must be adults 
of high quality. Chapter one, don't ever begin a sentence with, I can't wait until dot, dot, dot. Embrace today and go all in. Chapter two, as educators, our job is not to create lessons, but to establish memories. From chapter three, the best teachers are extremely mature with childlike personalities. From chapter four, it's our job as educators to make sure that we're not simply preparing our students for a life in the future, but allowing them to live their lives today. Chapter five, the job of a principal has three components, hire the best, support the best, cheer on the best. Chapter six, being a leader means we assume the good and doubt the bad. Chapter seven, knowing the difference between each and every is the difference. Chapter eight, kids will always live up to our expectations when they know what they are. Chapter nine, your job is never to knock others down it's always to reach below and pull others up. This concludes this reading of Bold Humility. Like what you heard? Feel free to go pick up the written copy. You can grab it on Amazon or anywhere that you grab your books. You can also learn more about me at schmitto.net. That's S-C-H-M-I-T-T-O-U dot net. Keep learning. Keep growing.